Hello and welcome back to our devotions on the Psalms. I don't know whether you found the last one, just a recap, or the last one when we did Psalm 10, whether you found it useful to just talk to God about your anger, your frustration, or your confusion over the wickedness in the world. After I did the devotions last Thursday, I had a lot more. I realized that there was so much more pent-up anger in me that I wanted to talk to God about. The recording was on Thursday, and on Friday, a very close friend of mine just sent me a picture of his birth cert. Um, he was born in 1943, and it was during the Japanese occupation. And so we began a conversation about the Japanese occupation and what it was like. He, of course, didn't know very much himself because he was born during the occupation. But he said that while growing up, he had a few aunties who told him stories about their husbands and that their husbands had been uh, enticed um, to, to take up jobs in the civil service in the, um, in the Japanese government. And so they had signed up and the truck came to collect them. And after that, they just disappeared. It was much later after the war that they discovered that these young men who had gone up the trucks were then taken down to a forested area tied to trees and used by the Japanese as for bayonet uh, practice. It was such a cruel, cr cruel thing to do to entice young men who desperately needed jobs and then to bring them, not just to execute them, but to use them for bayonet training. But such was the cruelty of the Japanese then. But then he said that it wasn't very much better after the Japanese left because the British came and there was abject poverty. People were literally starving to death for the next few years. During that time, of course, 20 years later, I was born and I still remember the deep poverty that the nation endured. And I really thank God for our government, for Lee Kuan Yew and his ministers who helped to make a difference. But it made me think about the atrocities of those in power, the selfishness of those in power. Just two nights ago then on Sunday night, I was watching a documentary on, uh, on History Channel. It was about Japan under the emperor during the uh, world wars. And it wasn't just that the Japanese were cruel to the neighboring countries. Of course, they were very cruel to those they conquered. But they were also callous and very cruel to their own people. To them, all they cared about was winning the war and having the fame and the fortune, while their own people suffered greatly. There was one time when there was carpet bombing by the Americans in Hiroshima, uh, Okinawa, and so many people died. And instead then of take, stopping to think about this, the government, Japanese government, even chased the civilian Japanese out, killed many of them who did not agree with them, and forced them and taught them um, how to commit suicide, kamikaze uh, pilots. There was an interview of the mothers, how painful the mothers felt as they saw their children uh, go up as pilots for kamikaze flights. And then the atom bombs, uh, Nagasaki and Hiroshima. And you know, after these two bombs had fallen, while the emperor was ready to surrender, the generals continued to press the emperor not to surrender but to keep fighting. And I thought about the cruelty of humanity, 
the cruelty especially of those in power, the things they do just for their own political means and political successes and their wealth and their fortune. And I couldn't help but crying to God and say, God curse these people. How can they do such things to common poor people? Let each of these kings and rulers and corrupt corporations be accursed. Let the, the leaders who have done such atrocities, truly, Lord, they cannot be born, cannot be tolerated. But I realized too that as I prayed, there was a sense of peace and a sense then that God had all of this in his hands. It caused me also to think about my own actions. How just am I? How much am I involved in each of these atrocities, in these of these, um, each of these injustices to others? Because we are reminded that God is a God of justice, whether it's in big things like government or small things like employers. How are we just? in our conduct to others. And so I realised that Psalm 10 has been very cathartic, it's been very helpful as it helped me then to express the indignation, the anger, the anguish that I felt about the things that were happening on earth, the things that had happened in the past and the things that continue to happen in the present. But today we come to a totally different passage and the mood changes completely. We're going to look at Psalm 46. Psalm 46. No, sorry, I beg your pardon. Psalm 84. Sorry. Psalm 84. And Psalm 84 is about being in the presence of God. So the last one, Psalm 10, was anguish and anger, the silence of God. Today we talk about the presence of God and the joy that one experiences in the presence of God. What I'll do is first I'll read the psalm, follow along. After that, I'll give a very brief commentary on some of the words and phrases and some of the things that, just to explain this, I'll share personally what this means to me. And, and then after that, perhaps make some suggestions as to how we can pray to God about our longing for Him. So let's pray. Father, even in the midst of trouble and anger at times at the injustices of the world, there is an oasis. There is a place of rest, of refreshment, a place where we are rejuvenated and we find strength to face the day and to continue to live and receive peace from you. So God, as we pray, as we read this psalm, as we learn to pray, the way that the psalmist prayed. We ask, Lord, that this too, psalm, will minister to each of us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now then, Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, they are ever praising you. 
Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength to each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's look then at the first four verses. First four verses talks about the psalmist who longs to be in the temple, in the courts, in the dwelling place of God. Of course, in the time of the Psalms, that would have been the temple. But entering the temple gave him great joy. There was a yearning, a longing in his soul. As the psalm, and the, as David says in another psalm, as a deer pants for the living water, so my soul pants for, for God. In this case, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. There is a deep longing to be with God. But that longing is not a violent, uh, loud singing. It is uh, loud sounds. It is so gentle that even a sparrow and a swallow will find their home in the temple. Just visualize this beauty as a man or woman comes into the house of the Lord and experiences a deep peace and the joy, and then sees even the sparrows and the swallows finding their nests, how gentle this God is watching over the animals. A place near your altar is somewhere beautiful and gentle. And then in verse 5 to 7, it says, you know, it ends in verse 4 that says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. So those who dwell in God's house are always there. Are very blessed. But it's not just those who dwell in the house of God that are blessed. What about those who are journeying to the house of God? The psalmist repeats that part that says, Blessed, blessed are those who dwell in your house, but also blessed are those who strengthen in you whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. So while those who dwell in the house of God are blessed, those who make their pilgrimage to the temple are equally blessed. But who are these? What's happening to those who are pilgrims? Well, first they pass through difficult places. They pass through the Valley of Baca. The Valley of Baca is called the Valley of Tears, the Valley of Weeping. It is a difficult, dry valley, probably like a desert. And going through there, it is hardship. But even then, as they go through hardship, the joy that wells within the heart, make it a place of springs. Autumn rains cover it with pools. So as though journeying through a very difficult part of that journey to the temple. Because of the anticipation of seeing God, being with God, there is so much joy. Even the hard places become places of beauty. They go from strength to strength to each appear before God. And then in verse 10, continues, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. 
I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. These expressions are really beautiful. Just one day in God's presence, one day of life in God's presence, is worth a thousand just living without God. Can you think of how beautiful that is to come into God's presence? How desirable it is. And then the psalmist says, I'd much rather be a doorkeeper, I'd much rather have the lowliest job than to dwell in the tents. When we think of tents, we don't think of nomads, we think of beautiful tents, the homes of the wicked. It's so much better to be a lowly servant in God's presence than the wicked or very rich who make lots from others. I would rather choose the former. Because God withholds no good thing from those who walk with God. So this is the commentary. But some of the, a bit of um, personal sharing. Well, one day when I was, first we look at verse 10, verse 11. One day as I was uh, touring Europe, went to a beautiful church. In that church, was a, I saw a janitor. What looked like a janitor was cleaning the pews. But ever so often, he stopped by at one or two of the persons praying and he sat with them. And then after a while, I saw him praying and I was wondering, is this the vicar? Is this the priest? Or is he the janitor, the cleaner of the, temp- of the church? Well, it didn't matter because this man was having such a meaningful time in church. And I thought, I wish it was the same for us in church too. That every person, even the cleaners, would be able to sit by another worshipper and pray together and experience together the presence of God. Because each of those who went to the church, many of them were distraught. They had heavy burdens in their hearts and all they wanted was to talk to God. And the thought of this man, whether he's the janitor or the priest, sitting next to the person who is burdened, Asking God to be present with them. What a beautiful sight. I want to share something that I experienced just on Sunday um, from verse 1 about how lovely is your dwelling place. I was at two worship services, right? Usually I attend first the Chinese service and then the English service. And in each of these, these services, I felt so much an awe and reverence of God, so much the presence of God as we were standing up and well, singing in our hearts, I felt this deep, deep reverence and deep love for God it was like a presence of God that I never wanted to leave. And as I experienced that, I cried out to God and said, God, what a feeling this is. But God, why? I don't want it just on Sundays. I want it every day of my life and every moment of my life. But I knew very clearly, even as I cried out to God, that it wasn't so for most days of my life. Most days there would be so much noise, so much agitation, so much action. And it was only on Sundays when I was still before God and then in time of worship and prayer and sermon that I felt deeply the presence of God. And I was lamenting, God, I don't want to feel this only on Sundays for an hour or two. I want to feel your presence every moment. I want to be deeply knowing that you are with me. Not just intellectually, but deep in my heart. I want to be in your presence. 
And you know, as I prayed, it was like, okay, I know that after this, after I leave this the worship time, it's going to be life back to normal. But you know, just after the English service, a church member, a friend of mine, sat me down and said she had a vision. She was sitting on the other side and she said as she worshipped, she just turned her face towards me for a split second and she had a vision. In that vision, she saw many chicks, yellow chicks, running around, moving around the place. But there was a grey chick that just stood still, doing nothing. And wave after wave of yellow chicks went and came and went, but the grey chick just stood there. And then suddenly, the water... There was water that sprang up like a spring that came like a fountain shooting up and flooded the place. And as it did so, the grey chick simply floated on the water effortlessly. And she was puzzled because chicks don't float in water. They drown, they die right away. But this chick was just floating naturally, comfortably in the water, being pushed up first by the fountain that was springing up. She was very puzzled because she knew that this dream clearly applied to me, but didn't know what it meant. But as I shared about how during worship I was longing for God for every moment, she said, I think I know what the interpretation is. The interpretation was that the many chicks were the many noises that I would hear and experience every day, the busyness of each day. There would be so many of them. But then, every day, there would be a spring, a fountain that would pour out. And it would come so naturally, it would not be worked. It would not be something achieved by myself. But that God would bring His presence, His worship, the longing that he, I had had for God, and that would come every day if I were to be still. And I realized then that this wasn't just a message for myself, it's for each of us. Each of us who longs for God's presence to long to be in deep worship of God, knowing how awesome, how good, how loving, how righteous God is, wanting to be in God's presence. That the promise is that God is not just present in church. God is not just present on a Sunday with us, but that every day in the midst of the noise and the busyness of the day, God will be there if we only were to keep still and allow Him to lift our spirits. And then I thought about that pilgrimage from verse 5 onwards, that pilgrimage to the place of God. And I liken that to two things. First, the run-up to a Sunday. The anticipation of meeting with God on Sunday is a great one. And sometimes by Friday, you're so exhausted because you've been bombarded with challenges and difficulties and conflict and you're just so exhausted and the thought of coming to worship God together on a Sunday that revitalizes you that gives you new energy the valley of Baca is like the daily problems that we face with our families in our homes at our work but even those when there is an anticipation of a Sunday time to worship together that is a great thing. And I want to share, say this to those of you who are able to come to church but are watching online. There's nothing like coming together to worship God. I mean, if you can't come, then 
watching online is second best, I guess. It's, it's good, better than nothing. But there's nothing like gathering together as a congregation, as a body of Christ, to worship. Because there is that joy and there's the anticipation of coming together and experiencing together the presence of God. But knowing that God's presence is with us whenever we are still before Him tells us that we don't have to wait for Sundays. And therefore, it's also every day as the Valley of Baca then will be every day as you go to work and you face the difficulties and then you rush from work to home and you have all your chores and then your children and your spouse. Sometimes it's a great time, often it is a stressful time. And in those times when you anticipate the quiet moment when you can be with God and know that the fountain of life will lift you up, that gives you strength too. I remember often, whenever I was down, I would look forward to the end of the day when I would just be able to escape from the noise of the day and sit before God and say, God, I'm tired, but lift me up. And experience God lifting me up, making me realize that I am once again in God's presence and giving me strength to face the day. If you have never experienced that, then I want to ask you a question. How is it then that if that the psalmist can say in verse 10, better one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. That this psalmist has discovered the secret of joy. He has discovered that one day, just living one day in God's presence, is worth a thousand days of life. That being the lowliest in God's house is far more glorious than being rich and living in luxury. Is there a promise to that? Is there a truth to that? Psalmist says there is. And to those of us who have tasted the goodness of God and experienced the presence of God, we would say yes to not always because we have not tasted fully what it is to be with God. But those of us who have had glimpses of it, we know how beautiful it is. And we can say yes, it is worthwhile. It is worthwhile spending just a day of life before God. So I say to you, if you've never experienced that, Ask God to allow you to experience the joy and the ecstasy of being in the presence of God. One of the ways you can do is to pray in anticipation of going to church. You know, sometimes we just walk to church, sometimes in the days after a busy Saturday night or crazy Saturday night or real fun Saturday night. Then we come to church and then we sit down and don't know what to expect. Can I suggest to you that maybe from Friday or maybe even Saturday, that you spend a little bit of time in prayer and ask that as you gather on Sunday, that you may experience the presence of God in such a wonderful way, that as you worship together with all the other worshippers, you may know that God is with you and that God is ministering to you. And then from there, when you get a taste of God's presence, you can ask God, to be pre to manifest, to show His presence to you every day. 
whether you do your quiet time and you get up in the morning to spend time with God or whether at the end of the day when you run, uh, when you stop work and you run to God, you say, God, let me at this time know that you are my God and my shield and my protector. Let me know that you are God who refreshes me and God refresh me. When you do that, I believe also I'm confident too that you experience God's love for you. Whether you are a mature person, whether you've been a Christian for a long time or even a child, you know, sometimes we think that children are too young to experience God. It's not true at all. I was very young when I experienced God and I know of many others who are very, very young and um, children who experience deeply the presence of God and they know what it is to be loved by God. So parents, grandparents, pray for your children as well that they will experience God in the way that this psalmist experienced as well. That as a family you may experience God's presence described in this psalm. Let me now pray with all of you. Father, you have promised that there is fullness of joy in your presence. That as this psalmist says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. As he says, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Lord, we cry out for you too. In all our circumstances, Lord, what we want is to know you, to have you come and be present with us. And God, we thank you that you don't exist, you don't live only in church. And yet, Lord, we pray for each church service that each of us, as we come to your presence or as we tune in online, that we may experience your presence in powerful, wonderful ways and know that you are here with us. But I pray too that each of us may experience that in the quietness, the silence of each day whether it is at the beginning of the day when we wake up before we start work, or whether it is the end of the day when we have carried the many burdens and have dirtied our shoes and our hands and felt much, much guilt or much sadness and frustration, that as we come before you in silence, that your rivers of living water, your fountain of life, will flow out, will spring forth, Refresh us and let us know that you are present with us. But Lord, let it not just be the end of the day, let it be throughout the day, even as we face our challenges, that we may gain strength knowing that we will come to meet you, knowing that you are with us, knowing that you comfort us. You will strengthen us, you will provide ways for us. That God, each of our days may be lived fully in your presence because Lord in your presence there is fullness of joy we ask this in Jesus name Amen well then you have a good week ahead and God bless you goodbye